So the title of my sermon tonight, <clears throat> in fact, no, let's just go straight into the word. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. I'm going to read from the KJV. And it reads, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. The title of my sermon is Beloved to Love. And it's the beginning of a topic which is about being beloved. Right? So it's a, it's a play on words. Let's say that again. We love him because he first loved us. So we're in the month of February. And in the month of February in this world that we live in, Valentine's is celebrated. You know, there's many gods of love. They say uh, Valentine, St. Valentine's, Cupid, Eros, all this wonderful stuff. But really, these gods, as it were, are a, are a pale. They, 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 in terms of their comparison to the god who is love, they fail to truly express what love actually is. Love is deeper than you think. Love is more than a feeling. Love is more than um, uh, a choice. And we're going to get there. But there are, two, there are four different types of love that is found in the Bible. So you just write these four down, right? There's one called storge, spelled S-T-O-R-G-E. Storge. It's pronounced storge. Another one's called philia. Another one's called eros. Another one's called agape. Now, storge love... Um, refers to the love between family members. Storge is the natural love that, the, that family members have to one another. Eros, pronounced eros, is what we call romantic love. This includes love found in the Songs of Solomon. It's very passionate. The third one, philia, um, in the book of Revelations, you've heard of the, the, the location called Philadelphia. Now, Phila is, is Philadelphia it represents the city of brotherly love. And basically what Philia is, it's a, it's a Greek word. It, it, it describes the emotional bonds that connect two people to one another. Often it is exemplified in friendship. But really it's also extended to those who show love and care towards each other. The fourth one, and most important one, is agape. This is the highest and most noble form of love. It is reserved for the love that God has for us. I will say, you can write in your notes, agape is from another world. Agape is seen, or pronounced um, agape, um, it's demonstrated on the cross when Jesus was sacrificed his life, taking on the entire burden of sin for all mankind so that we could have life everlasting with him in heaven. Agape, the best way to describe it, it's selfless. It's selfless. Let's go through some examples of these different types of love found in the Bible. So, Filio love. Filio love is found in Matthew 10, verse 37 to 39. It reads, 
he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy. So <clears throat> even though this would really be a storge um, opportunity, they're saying this, the highest relationship that you can have with, amongst a family member goes beyond storge, it is actually filio. But Jesus is saying, if you have filio for your mother, for anyone in your family, more than you have for him, you're not worthy of him. I want you to understand already the difference between um, um, filio and agape. It's not a small thing. Side note, let me speak to some people who may be listening. Lust is not a form of love. Lust is not a form of love. What we read in the Old Testament, we read about Ammon and Tamar, one of the craziest stories I read in the Bible. And the story goes a bit like this. One day, Ammon is one of the sons of David. He sees, it's actually his, his half-sister, he sees Tamar one day and says, I need her in my life. I will not rest. And he literally did not rest until he didn't just sleep with Tamar, he raped her. Now, what's so interesting about this is his desire for Tamar was so much, it got him into a place where his, he was physically sick. His desire for Tamar, it seemed so wonderful on eye, but as soon as he committed that crime against her, he dashed her out of the house. Love that doesn't have respect in it is not love at all. That's for my young friends out there. I hear so many times, Pastor A, but I love her so much, I have to show her how I feel. Hey, my brother. That's not love. That's lust. Right? That's lust. Filio, like I said, is a brotherly love. Now, agape, I wanna, really want us to focus on this uh, uh, word agape. Be it filio, be it storge, be it eros. You cannot love perfectly without agape. I'll say that again. In your notes, right, agape is God's kind of love. In your family, where love, where the storge love is the typical love, you will need at least one person to operate in agape in order to change the dynamics in your family. In eros, which is usually found in relationships, you'll need at least one person functioning with agape in order for the love to be taken to a new level. The most amazing thing about agape is that it doesn't need the other person in order for you to give it. It is independent of the behavior of the other person. Think about this. Most of us will do good for another person in order for that other person to do good back to us. But with agape, agape is doing good because there is a need that you've identified to do good in. Now, this is amazing because this proves, people say, oh, um, God needed humanity. No, he didn't. He didn't need humanity. God is agape, what the Bible says. Let me just adjust my mic. Right? I've, I've done it. God is agape. Now, one of the most amazing things about agape is that for agape to really exist, you need to have at least two people. 
Now, the fact that we believe in a Trinitarian God means that agape, God could be exactly who he was without the need of any one of us. He doesn't need another entity to reveal that he is selfless love because within him is free. Think about that. So if there is no need for us, why us in the first place? Answer, because agape is that good, he wanted to bring us in. Agape is so good, he wanted to bring all of creation in on what he was. Hmm. Self-love. If you don't receive the love of God for your life on a daily basis, you will have no ability to love yourself effectively and correctly. Self-love without agape is selfishness. You cannot have the correct sense of dignity and value as an entity without agape. This is actually life-defining. Imagine, listen to what I'm going to say that again. I'm going to say that again. You can't really have the correct sense of value and dignity without God's love being known in your life. So many people are trying to look for value and worth based on what they have, how much money they have, how, much, how big their family is, how much respect they have, how many likes they have, how many followers they have, how many houses they have, how many holidays they go on. They try to find all this worth, but the, their worth is found in him. It doesn't matter what you look like. You can be the most beautiful person in the world, but if you're only going to marry one person, think about that. It's not about how you walk. It's not about how you talk. It's not about the accent you have that you don't really like. My brothers, my sisters, your value cannot be based on these things. But God says your value is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Your value is based on the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me work with my scientists for a second. Do you know the chromosomes in a man? This is lovely. The chromosomes in a man is what allows a human to have blood. The chromosomes in a woman is what allows a human to have a body. Check this out. So, if Jesus was a human and he is a human and had blood in him, what does that prove if Jesus has blood in his body? That he has a Good, Father, God. So when I say your value is worth the blood of Jesus, let me add its intensity. Your value is the blood of God. God thought it was sufficient to come into this realm where things could die. So the God who could not die could die. So all that were dead could live. Check this out. John 3.16. You probably didn't see this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Now we've all heard that before. 
And we all say, well, you know, that means God loves us. How do we know God loves us? Because he sent his son. Let me tell you this. Until love is reciprocated, it's not complete. What I mean by that is this. God has showed his love to send his son. His son, Jesus. He died on the cross for our sins, raised from the dead. Listen to John 3.16. Listen to the end of it. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Do you know that eternal life is the quality of God's life? Which means, check this out. God loves us so much, he sent his son, so that those who would believe in his son would walk in the same life as God, his son. Which means, it's not enough to just say, God loves me, he died for me. You're supposed to reciprocate it by showing God's life to all. If you want to know, if you want to show that you love God, allow his life to shine. Eternal life. Remember John chapter 1. That life is the light for all mankind. The whole purpose of God displaying his love for humanity was to give humanity a life that was a light so that all of humanity could walk revealing that light which was a revelation of that life that has come from above. You're no longer a normal human. You have within you a life that is programmed, programmed to operate like God. The issue is that life is spiritual. You're not just a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. So in order for that spiritual life to be manifested in your life, the Bible says that you need to walk by faith. Faith. This is worth writing down. Faith is how we are called to function with God. You can only function with God if you accept his word in your heart. The moment his word is accepted in your heart, it becomes faith. So when I walk by faith, I am walking not in just, I'm going to get this by faith. No, I'm walking in the reality that Christ is with me now. And it goes beyond Christ being with you, brothers and sisters. It's Christ operating through you. Receiving God's love is a daily thing. It didn't just happen when you gave your life to Christ in 1982. Every day you have the life. But let me, say, let me, let me change it like this. God's love is the revelation of his life in your heart. If it isn't being revealed to you and others in your heart, you may have the life, but it's just in your spirit. What the rest of us can see is the old you that's supposed to be on the cross. Now, this leads to my new point. What stops us from shining? In other words, what stops us from revealing God's life? In other words, what stops us 
from receiving God's love. These are some of the things that stop us. Religion. Performance. Performance is a big thing. Many of us, many of us will say, well, you know what? Mm. I need to, we live in a world where we get because we've performed. In most things, be it you go to university, in your house, in a Nigerian house, <clears throat> in my house, right? Most, most times we get because we perform. But with God, that's not the case. You don't get because you perform. You get <clears throat> by faith. You don't get because you try to be a better person. You get because you realize that Christ has made you perfect. This is a word from, from the Lord, I believe. Live from God's love, not for it. Don't try to aspire attaining God's love. No. You have it in spirit. Really, God wants you to position yourself to reveal what you've been given already. Anyone who operates in God's love day to day will be revealing Christ each day. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 12. Listen to this. Dear friends, not to 12, just verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. That word know is the Greek word genosko. Genosko basically means this, to become known. So listen, listen to this. Let's, re, let's reread that. Everyone who loves has been born of God and has become known to God. Whoever does not love does not become known to God because God is love. So check this out. Hmm. The whole point of knowing God, of becoming known to God, is to make God known to everyone else. If you're not doing that, you're not operating with the basic purpose of the life he's given you. That life that I'm talking about is the life that can forgive. So if there's anyone in this room right now who's holding back forgiveness, the chances are you're still in control. Why? Because the life God's given you has the ability to forgive all. And if it didn't, your sins wouldn't be forgiven. Think about it. You have the capacity to do things a normal human can't do because a God, the God, came in human form so that humans wouldn't be the norm. There's some of you in this room who are in cycles of behavior, cycles of behavior, and you can't come out of it and you won't come out of it until you realize that God's love for you has the power for you to walk differently out of the cycle of behavior that you've, that you've been stuck in. Until you surrender completely to him, you will be stuck. You will be stuck. 
there is freedom for all of us to have if we accept the truth that you are loved by God. And they shall know the truth, and the truth shall set them free. That know, Jinosko. <laughs> Until that truth of God's words about who you are settles in your heart, you will not believe. You will do things for God. You can lay hands on the sick, healed. You can move in power without the love of God. You can prophesy, easy. But you'll do it without the revelation that he is physically there with you doing it. Do you know you're not awarded for how many people you prophesied for and healed and cast out? You're awarded for the things that you've done with him, not the use of his power. It's worth knowing. Your walk with God is supposed to be a life that is completely surrendered to the Spirit of God so that the Spirit of God can equip you and empower you to do things that you couldn't have done by yourself. That's called grace. The Christian walk, brothers and sisters, is supposed to be supernatural. It's supposed to be you walking so deeply and so well with the Spirit of God in your life that success is always the answer even though there are many challenges. When you walk with God, revealing his love because you've received his love, then you are revealing to the world not just that God loves you, but you are revealing to the world the kingdom of God. It's your call, my call, our call, to say no to the old. Ask yourself right now, what is stopping me from accepting God's love? What has been stopping me? Is it failure of the past? Is it the sin that you sinned last night? Is it shame? Is it guilt? Is it unwillingness to forsake the old? Is it unwillingness to give control? Or is it one of the worst ones? Do you still think your ways are better than his? This isn't the end, but I usually do this at the end of services. And at home, I want to ask you to do it as well. I want everyone to close their eyes. Because sometimes I get frustrated. It's an honor to preach, but I get frustrated when I preach sometimes. Right? So I want to take that frustration and I want to make wisdom be seen right now. I want you to think about your workplace, how you are to your parents, if you live with your parents, how you are to people that live in your house, in your apartment, in your neighborhood, um, how you are to people in church, how you are to yourself. Look at all of those breakdowns. Ask yourself, are you happy? Are you happy? Open your eyes. Today is an opportunity where you can say, you know what? I'm not happy because I can still see me in my life. 
can any of us see the need of more of God's love for you that will affect all of the people around you? There are parents and children who need to hear this message and respond. There are cell leaders here who need to hear this message and respond. There are leaders here who need to hear this message and respond. Because if we don't respond, we stay the same. If you're content with your walk with God, and I'm not reading about you, people are saying, this, this, is, this, is, this is Jesus in 2024. If I can't see that, and if the world isn't saying it, there's more for you. There's more. How can we receive God's love? What does that actually look like? Receiving God's love is seeing yourself one and the same with Jesus Christ. That's it. If I was to ask everyone inside this room, what's the difference between you and Jesus? You would write a big list. This, 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 all every long list. Do you know that list of what you think makes you different to you and Jesus spiritually is the reason why more of Jesus isn't seen in your life? You're looking at the wrong things, brothers and sisters. The things that we do that Jesus wouldn't do isn't what makes us isn't the thing that we're to be to focus on. The fact is, Jesus' life is in us. Spiritually, you are one in the same. You are making the same mistake in the garden. <laughs> the enemy said, eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, it will feed into the thing that you think you need. The thing that they thought they needed was the knowledge of good and evil. He said, if you do that, then you'll be like God. But the reality is, their spirit was one with God already. So, let's take it to, the, to today and the last question I asked you. What's the difference between you and Jesus? Are you looking at the knowledge of the evil that you do? <laughs> or are you going to finally lower it down? And see God for who he is. So he can take you for who you are and who he's called you to be. Certain idols in our lives have to come down in Jesus' name. I like illustrations. Illustrations allow me to compound on a message. And I would like Pastor Claudette. She didn't even expect this. Pastor Claudette, come. Pastor Claudette, Hallelujah. Yeah, you come, don't worry. I won't embarrass you today. Okay. Just hold on to that, please. Okay. Pastor Claude, if you just want to follow me, please. I just want you to stand right there. Okay. And I want you to hold it right there. When you walk in love, love is an elevated way of thinking. When you walk in love, you will naturally want to be a peacemaker. When you walk in love, you will naturally not want to steal. When you walk in love, you will naturally want to fulfill the commandments because Galatians 6, 5, 6 says, the law, um, love, 
um, love works through faith. But the Bible also says that love fulfills the law. So check this out. God wants you to walk with the mind of Christ. As a believer, you have the mind of Christ. You have access to it. It's yours already. The issue is there are things tying your mind down. You are thinking like a human which you no longer actually are. You're a new And because you're a new creation, it means way more than going to heaven one day. It means functioning here on earth in a different way. That is in line with God's perspective of what a new creation should behave, should speak like, how they should respond, what their motivation should be. All of this is found in the life that you have. But you need to operate in love and with the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You have the life of God. The issue is you're not putting your mind on good things, pure things, things that are worthy of his praise. You're not looking at things above. You're keeping your eyes and perspective on things here. You're not looking at the God who will reward you. You're looking at what can I be rewarded with now? My brothers and sisters, I'm saying to you this right now. Stop living for now and live for then. And if you live for then, with that perspective, then you'll be able to live here correctly. The Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. I encourage everyone inside here to start renewing your mind. Don't just read the Bible. Read it with an intent to see yourself one and the same with Jesus Christ. I am loved. I am seated in heavenly places. I am cared for. I am a child of God. And all of a sudden, when the word of God starts to be spoken out in agreement, as as you begin to agree with the word of God, as you begin every day, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going. Then the word of God will cut the lies. And the thinking that was there now begins to be elevated. And all of a sudden, uh, I just want you to hold the end of it. All of a sudden, what you thought was, ah, I've seen change. And I've seen change in this woman of God. All of a sudden, her Christ-likeness begins to go up and up and up and up and up until you realize that when you function from that place, you are seated in heavenly places. How can you be defeated by someone who doesn't like you with that mind? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There's people here who are struggling with finances. If you simply said, you know what? Keep holding it. If you simply said, you know what? I'm really going to live for him. I'm not going to do part-time Christianity anymore. I'm not going to say, pass a great message. I'm actually going to go home and I'm going to live for him every day without a stop. And I'm going to keep going. And you're going to realize that your trust in him begins to increase. And all of a sudden, the financial issues that you thought you had no longer is your issue. Why? Because you've given it to him. Because that's the mind that trusts God. Surrendered life brings your mind 
to operate in dimensions that go beyond what we see. The word of God that we read was written by people whose minds was elevated by the spirit of God and wrote down what the Lord their saviour gave to them. How much more can God do for you? Thank you. You can take your mind with you as well. Christ's mind. Christ's mind in Jesus' name. Thank you. That's someone who's walking with the knowledge that God loves them. Brothers and sisters, if you don't graduate beyond theology, you're going to be stuck with the idea that God loves you theologically, but your mind will still be operating here. It's up to you. You can know the scriptures. I know many people know the scriptures. 50 verses they can tell me why God theologically and spiritually and legally loves them. They can tell me this is who I am in the spirit. They can, tell, they can quote it on the KJV. They can quote it to me in the NIV. They can quote it, but they're not living it. This, brothers and sisters, requires you to pay the price of your salvation. And the price of your salvation is called consecration. If you truly believe that what I'm saying is in line with the word of God and all of this is possible and this is part of the reason why Christ came, if this is true to you, then your natural response should be, how dare I continue living like how I was? You think it's cool to be rude to someone? It's not cool. That's not the way of the spirit. You think it's okay to be selfish? It's not okay to be selfish. Yeah, but Pastor A, you're selfish. I'm not your barometer. Jesus is. Until you go about your salvation with fear and trembling, you will not see the glorious riches found in his realm of grace that he has for you. Brothers and sisters, it's 2024. We're running out of time. Jesus is coming soon. Maybe in our lifetime. But I pray that you're not sleeping. I pray that you are not spiritually sleeping. This is a real thing. You need to ask yourself, are you here? Or are you here but asleep? I mean, God couldn't make this any more perfect for me. And it's not to shame. It's a prop for you to understand this is serious stuff. And for all I know, God is giving her the most amazing dream right now. Hallelujah. But the question I'm going to pose to each and every one of you is this. Either be awakened by the love of God or fall asleep by the lust of this world. The choice is yours. But understand this, it was better for you never to have known Christ than to go down the path you're going. 